with the latest on the corporate front, all the market trends, expert opinion, and sound business advice. It is your unique window into the business world, direct from the heart of China. Hello and welcome to Biz Today. I'm Zhao Yang in Beijing. Coming up, we will have half an hour of business news and analysis. On today's show, China is aiming to raise the opening up to a new level, and we will also take a look at the OECD's latest report on job markets. And now let's begin with our top story. Chinese President Xi Jinping has stressed that building a new system for higher-level open economy is a strategic measure to promote reform and development. He made the remarks while presiding over the second meeting of the Central Committee for a deepening overall reform. President Xi Jinping stressed to build a new development pattern with an emphasis on institutional opening up and to deepen institutional reforms in areas like investment, trade, finance. And innovation. The president also pointed out that China's ecological civilization construction has entered a crucial period, with carbon reduction being the key strategic direction. For more on this, I earlier spoke with Dr. Yao Shujie, Chang Kang Professor of Economics at Chongqing University. So, Professor Yao, President Xi Jinping has called for efforts to open up the economy at a higher level to promote the country's reform and development. So, what's the key message? The key message is that the higher level, like、uh, emphasized by President Xi, higher level means that the the quality of openings will be higher than before, and investment in will be more directed into the. Higher level manufacturing and services, including agriculture, of course, and higher level for international trade. It means that they will be、uh, more stabilized international trade with different trading partners. And the meeting highlighted some major points to achieve this goal. First, by prioritizing new systems for an open economy, especially in trade and investment, expanding the market access, and enhancing the business environment. So, how important is that? Well, again, the key word we see here is the new system. So, China, the central government, is aiming to establish a new system. So what does it mean? What does it mean? The new system. The new system is to govern、uh, the international trade and investment, which will be directed toward the higher level manufacturing and services I just mentioned, and also、uh, to diversify international trade in different countries. The system is also going to enable、uh, the stakeholders. To get easier access to market, whether it is domestic or international market, and also it would enable the the country to become more efficient in terms of engaging in international trade, international investment. So,、uh, efficiency of the system is the key word again by promoting、uh, the the new level,、uh, the higher level of international trade and investment. And it is also necessary to set the strategic goal of realizing agricultural and rural modernization. So, what do you make of that? Yeah, despite the the rapid urbanization and industrialization process that we see in the past decades, I think the modernization of China still required the modernization of the rural and agricultural area, because the there will be a significant proportion of people living in the countryside. 
and agriculture will be still a very important industry for the national economy for various reasons, not only for food security, but also for the environmental uh, issues. Mm. And the meeting also called for building an ecological civilization with emphasis on gradual transition from managing energy consumption to carbon emissions. So how do you understand that? Yeah, there are two important points here you mentioned. The first point is to the, the building the so-called uh, ecological uh, you know, civilization construction. It means that the time, time as a society, not only the industry, uh, the, 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 the people, but also the environment, the ecosystem, they have to be uh, sustainable as the country economy progress continues. And uh, uh, how to manage this process, uh, there are different strategies. In the past, our strategy is the so-called double control of energy total demand and also energy consumption intensity per unit of output. Now Mm -hmm. it has been changed to the double control over carbon emissions. What does it mean? That China was going to manage the total amount of carbon emissions and also manage the amount of carbon emissions per unit of, uh, of GDP or national output. And this is a more direct uh, change of the, uh, of the strategy because, after all, the purpose is to reduce carbon emissions rather than to reduce energy consumption. So mm-hmm. there will be a, a lot of implications here. First of all, energy use have to, certainly have to be more efficient. But secondly, it is more important is that the energy structure, the consumption mix, have to be uh, transformed so that we, we don't necessarily reduce the amount of energy consumption, but we can improve the energy efficiency through different ways by reducing the carbon intensity and the total amount of carbon emission into the air. Mm, so the meeting also stressed reforming the oil and natural gas markets and reserves and also developing the new energy resources. So tell us how important is that? Yeah, nowadays um, people are emphasizing the use of uh, renewable energy. But unfortunately, we still have to depend to a great uh, extent on oil and natural gas because oil and natural gas are the two easiest and most important source of energy, uh, even uh, in China and many other countries. So it is, first of all, important to manage uh, the use of oil and, and, and natural gas and also the reserve. It has to meet the, the short-term, medium-term, and long-term, longer-term demand so that the supply of these uh, critical energy sources will be stabilized over time. But on the other hand, we will try to do our best to uh, reduce our dependency on oil, on natural gas, and, and regulated fossil fuels by diversifying into the new energy. That was Dr. Yao Shujie, Chang Kong Professor of Economics at Chongqing University. And the People's Bank of China or China Central Bank has released the financial data for the first half of this year, revealing a significant rise in key indicators. The new bank loans jumped more than expected in the month of June, helped by central bank efforts to support the economy. The country's broad M2 money supply exceeded 287 trillion yuan by the end of June. This is an increase of over 11% year-on-year. Year. 
And meanwhile, official data shows that China's foreign trade in goods expanded 2.1 percent to over 20 trillion yuan during the first half of this year. So for more on this, joined us on the line now are Dr. Wang Dan, Chief Economist of Hansen Bank China, and also Aina Tengen, Senior Fellow at the Taihe Institute. So Aina, in the first half of this year, nearly 70% of the total social financing went to the real economy. So what does it mean for China's economic growth? Well, it's good. I mean, in the past, we've talked about the, uh, you know, the fact that a lot of companies were speculating. They were borrowing money because there were low rates and they were hoping that they could make more money in the property markets and things like that. Obviously, that did not work out. So what you had is uh, almost, as you pointed out, almost the double amount of um, bank loans that they, was expected by um, most analysts. Uh, and most of it was going to corporate um, over, uh, well, just about uh, two-thirds. There was an increase in mortgages and things like this. But it's it's a very good sign that people have the confidence to go out there and, and actually borrow money. The, what I don't have, though, is uh, the fine detail on where that money was going to in terms of small uh, business entities versus larger uh, groups. Mm-hmm. And then so also in the month of June, we see China's new bank loans jumped more than expected from the previous months. So does this mean that the central bank efforts to support the economy will be taking effect? Um, usually, the demand for bank loans will jump in June and in December. And these are the time periods when large institutions in China have the highest demand for funds. Uh, and the extension of monetary policy in June certainly helped provide more liquidity for those institutions. Um, but I, I wouldn't say that uh, the central bank's action was aiming to prop up uh, further borrowing and lending. It's mostly just to satisfy the existing needs from the corporate sector. And Aina, so also looking ahead, what are the expectations for the uh, you know, monetary policy for the second half of the year? Well, China's taking a very slow and steady approach. Uh, they're not uh, just going willy-nilly. But you, you have to kind of contrast uh, where China is versus the rest of the world. The rest of the world is literally tightening down. Uh, the Fed is, continues to raise rates, even with the lower inflation number that came out. They're indicating that they're going to continue with rate rises. That's going to put a further um, you know, pressure downward pressure on the U.S. economy and uh, the rest of the world. Well, China is actually stimulating. Um, one of the things that you, you have to keep in mind is that it's no longer just China. China is part of a, a much larger network, especially uh, together with ASEAN, uh, which continues to grow the amount of um, exports from China that it's receiving. And that is a, a very, very hopeful sign because you know the world still needs uh, all of these things. Um, a lot of it are uh, related to necessities. And even with the kind of um, supply chain interruptions and things like that, uh, it's still coming from ASEAN. And by extension, since there are so many intermediate goods produced in China from China. Mm. And so then what do you think about the second half of this year for the stimulus policy will be a more monetary side or will it more on the fiscal side? Um, For the second half, the monetary policy has to be more aggressive than the first half for sure. Uh, We have seen that in terms of fiscal expansion, the local government has run out of steam. Uh, Many of the local governments in central and western China still face certain level of difficulty in raising enough revenue. 
Um, and for the central bank, there has already been uh, different narratives about a countercyclical on demand stimulus. And that means we might see uh, more of a rate cuts in the second half. We expect at least once or twice in order to provide more liquidity and improve the balance sheet, especially for households and corporates. Mm. And I know so China's small and medium sized enterprises or the SME index edged a bit in June from the previous month. So what's the performance of China's SMEs this year? What are the key factors driving their development or what challenges do they face? Well, it, it all comes down to uh, confidence, uh, especially consumers, their willingness to go out there and buy and then access to capital. And, and quite frankly, the government has been working uh, very hard on that. They're decreasing the amount of taxes. Basically, if you have 100,000 uh, renminbi or less, it's about uh, less than $14,000 in um, total revenues, uh, basically you will not be paying taxes. Uh, this is an extension of, of efforts that they've made in the past uh, to, you know, in essence, help these uh, companies, not only ones that are existing, but uh, give people some relief if they're thinking about starting it. Uh, I think this is the most important aspect uh, that the central government can push because obviously 90% of new jobs, 80% of existing jobs are in this sector. The more um, that sector increases, the better off the economy will be because it's wages, um, it's employment, and uh, those are two big issues. Mm -hmm. So Dan, so what do you think are the main driving force for China's high-end manufacturing sectors like NEV, like solar panel industry? Uh, one of the main driving factors for domestic demand is through the subsidies to producers and consumers. We have seen that since the beginning of COVID, actually every single month, the investment in NEV industry, uh, including upstream and downstream, have been growing double digit every single month until now. And the momentum is still going on. And for consumers in China, um, they have been buying the highest number of NEVs across countries. So we think uh, there is still a lot of room to grow in the AEV sector in China. Um, but one difficulty now is that a lot of uh, the domestic demand has been exhausted. Uh, we do need higher income growth to support further spending for domestic consumers to buy new cars. Mm -hmm. And for overseas market, the European market has been very well. And a lot of companies are trying to invest more to build a factory there and to satisfy the local consumer demand. Mm. So Aina, so China's NEV industry has already entered the Southeast Asian market and also the European, the Australian, North American markets. What are their advantages, do you think? Well, they're uh, like all uh, things that are made in China. They're very, very consumer driven. Uh, you go back to the early days when you know uh, China was, you know, and also ran when it came to um, cellular phones. Now it dominates uh, in terms of the number of companies in the top 10. And you can expect the same thing. Um, it is shorter production cycles, uh, more, more efficient, uh, low cost um, products that are going out there that are also aimed directly at consumers. It's fine for Tesla to say, you know, we're the best and we have, you know, you can choose any one of our five models. But you compare that to BYD, which uh, has over 30. Um, you know, the, everybody is looking for the right price to performance for their NEV, depending on their family size and what they intend to use it for. And I think this is where uh, Chinese companies will have a, a great advantage. Also, keep in mind the the benefits uh, are coming down the road in terms of uh, digital um, 
manufacturing, uh, this idea that you have an interconnected, much more efficient system uh, that can uh, cut costs, uh, also lay, uh, the amount of labor that's going into it, which is, of course, related to costs. Um, and that is very important because you're not seeing that uh, elsewhere. Uh, China is once again leading the pack, as it did with 5G in terms of adoption of 6, 6G in this kind of digital uh, manufacturing atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And so, Dan, what's your expectation for China's consumption, export and investment in the second half of this year? And China's consumption has been the major driving force for the first half so far, and it's quite divided already. We have seen a surge in the consumption in uh, catering, tourism, and electronics. Car consumption also stood up quite well. But in the second half, um, they may not sustain uh, as much as a, sur- uh, as a first half, mainly because of a constraint for the income growth. But in terms of investment, we can see a further momentum in the manufacturing industry, especially towards advanced manufacturing uh, equipment uh, making and uh, the AEV industry. But for housing market, we do not expect investment to come back anytime soon. Because Mm. one thing is that the housing sales had its peak in April and May, but then plateaued in June. For many of the smaller cities in China, people do not have the appetite to get into the housing market now. Uh, Many of the potential home buyers are hoping to see uh, more of a reduction in mortgage rate or they want more clarification in the property tax. So they hesitate of getting into the market now. And then so China has set its this year's GDP target of around 5%. So from your perspective, what are the most important paths to reach that goal? And where should be the focus of China's economic efforts in the next stage? Um, there is not much difficulty for China to reach the 5% economic target. Just by a natural rebound in consumption and investment, China can already reach around 4.5% to 4.8%. And export-import, although they both decline, but accounting-wise, import has been declining faster than export. So it still contributes um, positively to GDP growth. So I don't think reaching the 5% of the target is a problem. So Aina, so what do you think and where should be the focus of China's economic efforts in the next stage? Well, I, I think this is there, you can't do much about the international market, and obviously there are headwinds uh, coming from the United States as it seeks to you know kind of push the containment policy. So at this point, it's I, I still you know go back to this issue that if you want to create jobs that are sustainable, you have to um, get the small, medium-sized business entities going. Chinese uh, government is making an effort in in that direction. They've uh, been sending out strong signals that they're going to pursue economic uh, growth. Uh, And I think this is the the best. You cannot worry about what other people do. All you can do is control what you do. And um, I think in the second half of the year, you're going to see a lot more emphasis on um, uh, Belt and Road, on RCEP, which is now in full effect, uh, and trying to make that work so that people within China and within the Asian um, market within RCEP have the confidence uh, to go forward based on internal consumption, not expectations about external um, export growth. Well, we're speaking with Aina Tengen, Senior Fellow at the Taihe Institute, and also Wang Dan, Chief Economist of Hansen Bank China. And after a short break, we'll take a look at OECD's latest report on job markets. Stay with us. 
Deep Dive, a podcast of CGT Radio. We go beyond headlines with reporters from around the world. Search for Deep Dive on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Take a deep dive into the news every week. Hear our conversations. You are listening to Biz Today. I'm Zhao Yang in Beijing. OECD job markets remain tight, even though the global economy has slowed down since the year 2021. The OECD employment outlook this year says that the employment has fully recovered since the COVID-19 pandemic, and unemployment rate is at its lowest level since the early 1970s. And on the AI front, the report says the world's wealthiest nations must prepare for the impact of the AI revolution that will change jobs, creating new ones, and making others disappear. So then, first of all, the OECD report says the job market remains tight. The employment has、uh, fully recovered from the pandemic, although the global economy has slowed down. So, how do you look at this, and what are some of the main reasons of it? Um, the fundamental reason for a really tight job market in Europe is because of stimulus plan during COVID. It has been a very long time that the European government has been handing out cash to families and small enterprises. And since this kind of monetary and fiscal expansion will last way beyond the time period that they were handing out, and that's why we see the kind of momentum in the job market. At the same time, because people have enough cash in hand, some of them actually choose to work part time or have early retirement.、Um, I have been traveling in Europe for vacation in the past three weeks.、Uh, in France, Denmark, and Croatia, the places I've been to,、uh, anyone I talk to have been、uh, thinking, have been talking about how much subsidies they've been getting. Especially、uh, during 2020 and 2021, on average, the monthly subsidy they get directly from the federal government,、uh, from the central government, was about 1,400 euros. Just imagine the size of stimulus for the entire European economy. And no wonder we can see this kind of job market prosperity there.、Mm, so then you have been traveling in Europe, and in Italy, the unemployment rate of the youth has been an issue. So what's the root of the problem? Is that there's not enough opportunities for the youth, or the youth don't want to do the jobs available? So which one is it? Throughout the Italian history of tracking the youth unemployment、uh, since the early 1980s, the average percent of the youth unemployment rate has been over 30 percent. It's quite an exception of all the EU member countries.、Uh, one of the fundamental reasons is that the Italian economy has been very sluggish since it has joined Common Currency Zone in 2002. And the domestic manufacturing has lost its competitive advantage to Germany, and many of the young people actually can find better job opportunities in other countries, especially in Northern Europe.、Uh, one study said、uh, that Northern Europe is actually able to provide about one third or even fifty percent more、uh, in terms of、uh, wage or salary、uh, without bonus to young people. So many of the Italian workers, young workers, would choose to leave their country and work in other places.、Mm. And so, Anna, the OECD report also analyzed the impact of the AI on the labor markets. So, how will this change the job markets, especially with the development of the generative AI or the ChatGPT? 
Yeah, uh, before I answer that, I just want to add one thing. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, the OECD report indicated that there's been a real loss in 4%. Um, so even though, you know, there's supposedly high, uh, <laughs> high employment, uh, the fact is that people are basically retreating backwards, especially at the lower ends of the um, of the uh, income cycle. In terms of AI, they they said, you know, 27% of the jobs are at risk. Uh, obviously, there have been higher numbers uh, as as much as 50%. Um, but, you know, this kind of running around saying, oh, AI is coming, the world is going to end. It's not really true. I mean, we've had um, big changes uh, with the internet before that, with industrialization. And the assumption was that, uh, you know, what will happen to the farmers during industrialization? Well, they moved to the city and they started working. What happened during information um, technology boom, uh, services started to go. Uh, labor is like water. It flows to wherever it's needed. Uh, the real question is whether or not the employees of tomorrow are ready to take advantage of uh, you know where the needs are. And right now, I would say no, a very uh, lackluster response in terms of uh, trying to uh, retrain people, uh, get them ready. You know, a large part of the uh, group that's going to be hit hardest are people who are uh, drivers, uh, delivery people, things like this. Um, and you really have to pay a lot of attention. Otherwise, you know, what do they do? But this will also be the first time that you have white collar workers, uh, lawyers, accountants, etc., who are going to be affected by this. Um, it's a, you know, as a tool, AI is very good at collecting information. Um, the analysis and things like that, you still have to watch and things. Um, but, you know, for certain basic tasks that used to take hours, days or weeks, it can be done very, very, very quickly. And mm. that reduces the number of, of uh, professionals that you need. So um, and those people also need to take their skill sets and apply them elsewhere. Mm -hmm. So Dan, so what's your thoughts? Is AI a nightmare for the labor market or could it actually solve a country's aging society and labor shortage problem? On that, I think AI is still a positive force for the labor market in the long term because there are many repetitive work that humans don't want to do. It's kind of like how we don't want to wash clothes by hand anymore. We want to use a washing machine. Now the threat is mainly that people think AI can replace a lot of the innovative work and that can replace a lot of education we're trying to pursue now. Many people have invested heavily in higher level of education, trying to jump to another social class, if you wish to call it that. But if AI is present, that means this road is probably harder for a lot of people to take. Well, we're speaking with Wang Dan, Chief Economist of Hansen Bank China, and also Aina Tengen, Senior Fellow at the Taihe Institute. And that's all the time we have for this edition of Biz Today. I'm Zhao Yang in Beijing. Thank you so much for listening.